Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art that is available in the comic book industry. From trivia to book discussions to interviews to insider looks, this is Indie Comics with Jeff. Welcome once again to another wacky and zany episode of Indie Comics. I am your host, Jeff, a crusader for creator-owned working comics. There are fine gems to be found at your local comic book shop, so let's go searching for them. And who is with me on this journey today? This is Dan. And this is Tyler. And of course, this is Jeff. Y'all know me here. Now, this week, we have a very special guest, IDW's Chief Creative Officer, Editor-in-Chief, and Writer, Chris Ryle. Thank you so much for being with us here today, and we are so excited to be speaking with you this fine day. Yeah, man, I'm happy to be here, too. Awesome, awesome. And uh, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, that's the fact that we got this is him pretty here. awesome. Yeah, this is mean, pretty sweet. I've been reading IDW for years. Oh, yeah, I love it. So oh, yeah, big fans here. <laughs> Suffice it to say, that's exactly what, how we are. Now, this month we are focusing on Onyx from IDW, written by our guest, and art from Gabriel Rodriguez. Now, without further ado, here's another, another dose of Indie Comics. So, first of all... Um, Chris, how did you get into the comics industry, and what brought you to IDW Publishing in particular? It's such a screwy story. I mean, it's funny. Like we'll do these, we'll do these, <laughs> we'll do these panels at comic conventions, and they're all like how to break in. And I think people in the crowd are like hoping that there's a secret uh, bit of information we're going to reveal that then allows other people to enter. And every single story seems to be wildly different. Um, so my my way in seemed to be. Pissing off Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and what, what I mean by that is back in the day, like I, I had aspirations to write comics, never thought about actually working at a publisher at the time. This was like 2002 or three, somewhere in there. And so I'd, I'd been a writer in other ways. I was a sp corporate speech writer. I was uh -huh. an advertising copywriter. And it was, it was kind of tedious work to me. So I started doing these comic reviews online just on the side, you know, just to do something more creative and comic based. And in one of those reviews, this is kind of a long story, but I'll try to, to encapsulate it. Um, oh, you can I, take I your wrote, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote this review of Kevin Smith's Green Arrow that he was doing. With, he and Phil oh, Hester when yeah. they jumped on that book. And was it Quiver? Yes, it was. And I kind of hated it at the first, at the start. I just, I didn't get it. I didn't know where it was going. And he, you know, it was all of this, Ollie calling cops blue fascists. And I was like, man, this feels so just out of touch. And I mean, obviously that was the point of the story as it went along. And I didn't say any, anything aggressive or inflammatory, just that I didn't like it. Of you know, course. it didn't work for me. And Kevin saw this, like this is the early days of the internet or earlier where Kevin would still personally respond to uh, reviews and affronts and stuff. And so he dropped me a line telling me why my opinion was wrong and, and, so it, it started going back and forth, like, no, no, this is my opinion. You don't have to agree with it, but it's my opinion. And over, like, a period of weeks, we were going back and forth on this. And so I'd go home and tell my girlfriend, hey, fighting with Kevin Smith again. She's like, why? Why is this happening? And so I, I like how that's, like, a, a problem. You'd be like, man, I had a fight with Kevin Smith today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but as it went along, like, it started getting, you know, it never got heated, it never got, like, we never said anything ugly, and it started getting kind of jokey and <laughs> and somewhat amicable, and so at one point, Kevin goes, hey, you know, I'm going to be in L.A., this is before he moved to L.A., he was still in Jersey, and goes, I'm going to be in L.A. to go see the 
for a Spider-Man movie. Um, and there was a mutual friend that we had in the city. He goes, why don't you grab him and we'll meet up and I'll go see the movie. And I'm like, all right, well, that'll be a fun sort of, you know, mend fences kind of thing and meet Kevin <laughs> and, and all of that. So we go see the movie and, and get to talking a little lunch afterwards. And he's asking what I do. And I'm telling him, you know, I work in advertising. And that's about the extent of it. You know, I said my wife also worked, or my girlfriend at the time works in advertising too, and she gets a lot of TV pilots early. Sorry, I told you this is a long story. That's um, okay. It's awesome. This, this is only about half of it. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, there you go. It's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, yeah, when this she is said, where we live. My girlfriend at the time got a lot of pilots early, so we were talking about pilots we were excited about, and he really wanted to see Birds of Prey. And I said, yeah, you know, I can get that if you want. This is like they weren't quite as password protected and uh, security driven as they were then. You know, it was like a VHS tape that came <laughs> oh, to the yeah. house. Um, so I said, you know, when I get that, I'll mail it to you and you can check it out. He's like, no, no, when you get it, bring it over and I'll uh, and we can watch it and stuff. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go see how Kevin Smith lives. You know, so I get the I get the screener and I go to his house and we watch it. And then we're hanging out a bit, just talking. And he's talking about websites and how he wishes there was a site that was like combined Newsarama's comic news with Variety's movie news with just sort of a, a good pop culture portal that hit all these different things that he liked in one place. And he goes, you know, I've got this website name, Movie Poop Shoot. It was a, uh, it was a, uh -huh. a sort of Ain't It Cool News parody site back in, in Jane's Handle Bob Strike Back. Yeah. He said, but I've, I, I'd like to turn that into a legitimate pop culture portal. And in my head, I'm going... Eh, it's hard to get legitimacy with a name like that, but then he goes, you know, I'd like to hire you to write this. I mean, to run the site for me, you know, do you know how to run a website? And I said, yes. And so we agreed that I would do it. And then I left and went, sat in my car and had this panic attack. Like, I don't have any idea how to run a website. <laughs> what did oh, I just go. say? Yeah. But oh, I mean, man. that's, and that's kind of the thing I impress upon people when, when it's like how to break into comics is just don't say no, just yeah. stay, stay open to crazy options and you never know where it might go. So I, I sort of did the Tom Sawyer approach of, you know, hitting up every friend I knew who knew how to code and knew how to help put, build websites and Kevin's own guy, Ming Chen, um, to help me get this thing going. So we launched the site on time and it, I ran it for a number of years and got to know comic people through there. And so I got to know Steve Niles. So this is oh, <laughs> finally I'm at, I'm at the next step in this conversation. Um, I got to know Steve Niles a bit, and, and Steve and I got being friendly and kicked around some comic ideas. And then Steve was doing all his work at the time through IDW. He called me in 2004 and said, hey, you know, the editor-in-chief at IDW is leaving. Would you have any interest in that job? And I, I'd been the editor-in-chief at Kevin's site for a year and a half, but that was really all in my experience that sort of suited me for the IDW job. You know, being a copywriter didn't necessarily – you know, it wasn't the natural step to becoming an editor-in-chief at a comic publisher, but I said, yeah, I'll go talk to them. And so I talked to them, and they made me an offer soon after. And it, it was funny. They made me an offer the same week that Kevin made me an offer to run his uh, comic shop that he had in Westwood in L.A. at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. The okay. uh, Seeker Stash. Yeah. Yes. So it was like I had the coin toss of do I want to be a comic publisher? Do I want to be a comic retailer? And so I packed up my life and moved to San Diego and joined IDW. And so... When people ask how to break into comics, I go, just do what I did and start out as the editor-in-chief at a publisher. You know, that's all you got to do. Yeah. So, it's almost so like it, was, it was a weird, really roundabout thing, but it was, it was entirely the side job that led me here more than uh, anything that I went to school for or any legitimate job that I had. Wow. Yeah. So the conclusion here today, people, is be a yes man. 
be a yes man and you'll get where you <laughs> want to go. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was honestly like it was a real confluence of timing too because there's there's no way now if you were to go on Twitter and say hey Kevin I here's a review of uh, Tusk you know that Kevin's gonna oh. hire you. <laughs> so it was just it was because you know the world was where it was like the internet wasn't as crazy you know with review sites everywhere you look and everything right. that that yeah. it got noticed. So it was just it was an odd timing thing that. Uh, that just worked out really nicely. So being at the right place at the right time, apparently. So apparently yeah. you're also and, telling and us. And then hopefully be... along the way, not screwing it up. Exactly. <laughs> in other words, right place at the right time and not be like John McClane in the Die Hard movies, being in the wrong place at the wrong damn time is what you're right. saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Awesome. That's awesome. So with IDW, like you've been there for so long and you have helped it just grow and become the fourth biggest publisher. Like one of the biggest publishers out there. There's so many, so many independent comic publishers and you guys are just one of my favorites out there. Like definitely about every what? single one of them. Um, you know, I forgot my question. Anyway, where do you see the company itself going from like here? Because you guys have so much to offer and have made so many staple stories and you've gotten into board games and like, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we've got it. We've got a very nice mix of things. Like in 2004, it was IDW was really just a home to Steve Niles and a few other horror projects, and uh -huh. then uh, CSI was the first licensed comic. So it went along like that for a while. But then when the Transformers license came up, that's the thing that really changed us into a company that was that was able to you know become what we are now, which is a place that does a lot of creator-owned books, does a lot of good licensed comics does art books and then we're able to spin all of that into other divisions like uh you know the TV division and the games division and everything. So I think at this point we've we've got a very nice mix of all of that. And so you know you you keep looking for different opportunities and different holes that might need to be filled, kind of like the board game thing. But uh yeah, I mean if in five years we're doing just more of what we're doing right now, I'd, I'll be very happy with things. That's, That's awesome. Great. Awesome. Do you feel the independent comic industry is changing? Um, I mean, it feels like it changes all the time. Like, in, certainly in 2004, it was a way different world than it is now. You know, that was before digital had any kind of presence at all in this world. Right. But I think the digital thing has really helped indie publishers and even just indie creators and people doing things entirely on their own just to get out there and get their stuff seen on a grander scale, get it spread around, like... When you look at the way comics had always worked up until sort of the proliferation of comics on the internet, it was always, I always figured you had to be based in New York to get a job at Marvel at DC, you know? Uh -huh. right. And so yeah. now you can live anywhere in the world, you can scan your stuff, you can get it seen, you know, you don't have to hop on the train and go visit Marvel, you don't even have to email them your stuff or send a, you know, print package to them and hope somebody looks at it. That's right. Now it's a lot more of... of Marvel or DC or us or Dark Horse, whoever, coming and finding you. You know, it's guys, girls, whoever, posting their comics on Tumblr, getting their stuff seen, and having people talk favorably about it. And then... Or like DeviantArt. Yeah, DeviantArt totally. or Tumblr or anything for that matter. Right. So it's like you don't have to now pedal your wares as much as you just have to get out there and be good. And then hopefully, you know, you'll get noticed. And, and then we'll be coming to you and knocking on your door rather than the opposite. Yeah. I do want to say one thing because um, we've had DJ Kirk brought on the show several times actually now. Yes, indeed. I, and you guys have been 
publishing a lot of stuff with like Monkey Brain and smaller um, independent publishers, which I think is awesome. Do you do you think that IDW is going to do like that a little bit more often, where it's like collaborations or just because so many of the publishers are so based digitally, and I think it's great that like IDW will come in and be like, hey, you know, people want physical copies. We got you know we'll, we got your back. It's like do you, do you see that kind of just keep happening with the digital um, like with comic. Comicsology today had um, announced the unlimited thing and made it like kind of working. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see, we'll see how that works, but uh, I know there were some, you know, some people are reticent to, to go that route because anytime you do the unlimited thing or the streaming thing, it, there's always a question of if royalties will be paid to creators in the same way. And right. so, yeah. you know, everything we've seen looks like it, it will be a fair thing, but you know, it's the kind of thing that, everybody monitors to see where it goes. Uh, as far as small publishers go, yeah, I mean, stuff like Monkey Brain and Mark, Mark Wade's Thrillbent, you know, stuff like that, I think it's really important to help help it get traction and get out there in the world. The one challenge with it is, is just that, you know, if we're doing 60 titles a month, I don't want to take on one independent book and then put it out there and it just gets buried under the onslaught of, you know, three transformer titles of star Trek. Yes, so yes. we try to, yeah. So we try to weigh whether we're going to actually do a creator any favors by taking it on. And in some cases we can. And I think having that imprint gets people paying attention to more than just a singular title. Then they pay attention as a whole to, you know, the monkey brain brand or what have you. But we try to make sure that if we're doing these things that, we're going to be able to get them in print, you know, and also get them out there in enough numbers that actually benefit the creator beyond just having comp copies of their book. That's awesome. Exactly. Do you, do you um, kind of see yourselves like have uh, having them as sister companies or is it just going to be a partnership? Wait, I'm sorry. I, I missed out. There was a jet flying overhead. Oh, you're totally fine. <laughs> no, the Transformers. Um, because monkey brain, I think they're their own company or are they a sister company of y'all? Yeah, no, they're they're their own company, and for the most part, yeah. I mean, we get approached to do that sort of thing with companies that are already established. Like we don't, we've gone back and forth for years on the idea of do we want to have an imprint? You know, do we want to do something that sets our creator-owned titles apart from our licensed books, apart from our children's titles? And then you run the risk of just imprinting yourself to death and having everything so fragmented, people don't know what's what. So yeah, right, right. Because exactly. then, it, because yeah, then it would so be like the an alternate have reality. Well, when it's an established imprint like Thrillbent and Monkey Brain, but I think if we were to call it, you know, IDW After Dark, and it's all our <laughs> nudie comics or something, I think it, then it just gets too fractured. Yeah, it it, it kind of just it gets people confused, I guess, especially if you have a completely different title. It becomes a devolution, is what it does. People don't know what to make sense of anymore if you have too too much like that. Yeah, like when I started getting into comics, you know. Vertigo and Wildstorm and all this. I'm like, okay, who's with who and what is what? Okay. <laughs> and I think it works well when you come out of the gate like that. But like, if we were to do a creator owned imprint, I mean, obviously the biggest creator owned thing that we've ever done here is Lock and Key. And but Lock and right. Key wouldn't be a part of that, or we would have to do sort of what Vertigo did, where you, you know, you graduate Swamp Thing from the DC universe into the Vertigo universe. And then it's right. odd because some issues of Lock and Key would potentially be branded with an imprint and the others in the past wouldn't. So, right. So we've stayed away from that anyway. That's cool. It's probably, it's probably a sound option to do it that way. Actually, that way it doesn't leave the fans confused, I believe, especially yeah, for, I, for continuity. Wanna, I've always been wary of getting into a thing where you somehow 
separate creator-owned books from like a Transformers title? Because I know, you know, the only real differentiator is the ownership of the thing and, and, but it's not a quality thing. So I don't want anybody feeling like, you know, one is getting the priority over the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Completely understandable. All right. Well, anyway, um, next question is, well, this month we are focusing on Onyx, one of your most recent creations with co-collaborator Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, what is the series about? If you had to give us like a good little description of the book. Um, it's funny. The series came about the way it came about before I tell you what it is about is I'm a big fan of Rom Space Knight, like the old, uh, toy and yes. comic property. And I probably made no secret about that to anybody who's ever talked to me. Speaking uh, of my heart, Chris, speaking <laughs> of my heart, cause I am too. Yeah. And so like a decade of trying to get the rights to that, Gabriel and I finally started talking about it and going, why don't we, you know, use a similar premise as a starting point and come up with something completely different so we use the the basic premise of a metal suited warrior coming to our planet to to help us fight off an alien threat and then hopefully taking it into very different ways and you know onyx introduced elements that were that were sort of derived from like dr moreau and so it was it was really just this thing that like a science fiction story that brought in all of our many influences so you know a kind of judge dreadish world and the island of dr moreau and rom and and, you know, probably a dozen other things that, that we all mix together and sort of just try to come up with something that we hope felt unique. It yeah. is unique because it sounds like a very, very uh, mixed melange of a lot of different things that people like you and I have, uh, like an older generation, would have grown up with and seen it being put into a new format like this. That's why I just absolutely love it. Yeah, wow. thank you. I'm the so excited. I'm so excited to read it because... So what we do is we don't read the book until we have the second episode. So we do the roundtable. So everything's all surprise and fresh. Yes. And I'm so excited to read this book. I, know. I actually, I already cheated and read the first issue. But that's Cheater. That's <laughs> no. great. Anyway. Well, the, the, one, the other thing about it is we wanted to make it a female character because the one thing that drives me nuts is every time you see a female character and you saw the uproar again recently with the power rangers movie outfits oh yeah yeah it's like every time there's a a space suited female character her spacesuit has boobs and hips shaped around it you know and it's <laughs> it just, always yeah, emphasizes like, the curves yes of course an astronaut suit would just be an astronaut suit to fit a human form so we thought well let's just make it a metal suit and then yeah all the characters will sort of assume it's a dude because that's just the assumption that's always been there is like, hey, there's somebody in a metal suit. It must be a man. Yeah. And so, at one point, right. you know, we, we sort of played off that uh, in the series, but it was it was partly just because of that. Like, we wanted to do a metal suit that that you know just wasn't fitted to to exact proportions. In other words, the metro the Metroid complex, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Um, and will Onyx be an ongoing series? Because I know I think the last issue came out in January. I remember. Yeah, so we we did a four issue run just to uh, to kick things off, and we're hoping to get back and do some more. It's not set or scheduled yet, but because uh, Gabriel's been busy, he's doing a yeah. new thing with Joe Hill right now. Um, he that guy is busy. <laughs> yeah, and, both and of you guys amazing, are and amazing. So yeah, it's it's kind of thing that we keep talking about what we would do next, and we know what we'd want to do next. We just don't know when or where that'll quite happen, but we're hoping so. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Good, good. Uh, what kind of characters are we expected to meet in the science fiction world from this series? We introduced a, uh, a 
sort of futuristic uh, military outfit. So kind of a cross between maybe the, the team and aliens um, and GI Joe. But I, I also wanted to really try hard to not have the team feel like the team and aliens felt uh, it felt fine at the time, but since then it just feels so stereotypical. It's like the, the tough talking girl and the, you know, just, we tried to avoid sort of the same archetypes that you always see on these types of teams. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier about having a strong female lead character. When writing her, what do you, what did you do to get into her head, the character? I, uh, I mean, Oh, please don't make a, uh, and as good as it gets joke. I'm just joking. <laughs> Does anybody remember? <laughs> Never mind. Yes, yes. I know I know where you're going with that, dude. No, it's, it's funny because I did an interview with the Mary Sue when this first came out, and they said, well, how did you how did you know how to write a woman? And I'm like, well, I, I know women. I, 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 I have a mother and a sister and a wife and a daughter. And so I'm so it was it was kind of that. It was just, you know, I I tried to write how we saw this character, like how would this character who is a warrior who's been fighting out in space, you know, for all these years and now coming to a strange planet, trying to help this planet, even though the planet may be suspicious of her, how would any character behave in that situation? So gender didn't necessarily factor into it as much as circumstance and, and what her role, you know, as a sort of military soldier would. Nice. Awesome. I'm so excited to read it. Oh yeah, Onyx is is, is just great. We're 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 excited. But for- it certainly helps with uh, with Gabriel involved. Like Gabriel's art is so phenomenal. I felt oh, yeah. kind of bad. Like Gabriel going from Lock and Key to you know, to then I'm um, doing a Windsor McKay based little Nemo project to now yes. this, this right. goofy science fiction thing where and that is know, beautiful. The Slumberland is so beautiful. It was oh, amazing. Man. Yeah. So then I'm like, God, I hope people don't think he's slumming doing this. Uh, Kind of B movie science fiction project that we're doing, but no, it's it's great. No, I, I mean think... we we always need stories like this because yes. I always I'm always afraid that sci-fi is going to be like dying soon, and I don't want it to be. Yeah, and the nice thing about it is is in doing this, Gabriel and I decided not to work as writer artists. Like we made sure that I wanted the credits just to be storytellers, you know. So like he and I would kick around the stories a lot. I might type together a rough plot. He would then you know come back with other ideas and then he handled the pacing so it was very much a thing that we did together i mean and certainly as the artist on the book too the heavy lifting on on all of that falls onto gabriel so if the story works at all you know it's it's doing a huge part because gabriel is such a good artist and uh storyteller awesome that's great well uh, regarding Onyx and other works, um, what can we look forward to in IDW's immediate future with regard to its titles and its goals? Um, in I think it's it's funny the schedule always overlaps in my head because things are coming out or they near to coming out and we're working on them months ahead. But I think it's August we're doing a uh, five week event, which is basically five creator owned titles. So we're launching five new books of that kind, and then in the fall we've got a uh, very big thing planned that we're we're going to be announcing on uh middle of next week um so i can just about answer your question but not quite in other words in other words not the total meat and bones right <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know you always it makes us find, excited i can tell you that <laughs> well you always try to find big exciting new things to do every month and then uh with comic-con coming we've got big things that we're going to talk about for the fall so yeah i'm really happy about the way the, the year is shaping up oh that's great that's great well 
coming from you guys. I know it's going to be something that we will be totally in, t- in anticipation for. <laughs> awesome. <Yeah>. Appreciate it. <laughs> so um, there are a lot of writers that suffer from writer's block uh, that prevents them from finishing stories or, you know, when it comes to crunch time, like what do you do to overcome writer's block? I think with me, my schedule is so ridiculous that like I find myself writing at 11 o'clock at night or five in the morning. Um, so I just purely don't have time to sit there and, and worry. I, I, maybe I'll put something aside and try to work on something else. If I feel like I've sort of hit a roadblock on any individual thing. Um, so I try to keep a couple things going just so I can noodle on the next thing. If I end up getting blocked on something, but I, I tend to think it's just because I, I feel like my writing time is so limited that I feel an urgency to use that time when I've got it. So I, I guess I don't, I don't always feel the affliction because I I'll keep typing even if the first draft is really crappy, you know, just to get something done and then you go back and revise it. So for me, the advice I always give for writer's block is just keep writing, even if it sucks. Like it just, just getting to the end of a thing can somehow and sometimes unlock in your head, you know, what you really want it to be. And then you go back and revise it and, and you know, it, uh, it, it all makes sense to you the second time around. We did this panel last year. My, I have a nine-year-old daughter. Um, she's 10 now, but at the time she, she wrote this little zombies versus robot story. And it was this little four page thing that was just kind of a lark that she did on her own. So I went and got it, you know, drawn and published for her because nepotism. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Um, oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> well, and so I had her on this panel where we were all talking about stuff and, and somebody in the crowd asked about writer's block and everybody, like every writer up there gave this full of shit sort of like, I'll go for a long walk in the meadow and I'll, I'll go find oh, boy. My, my proper headspace. And then it got to her and she's like, well, when I was writing the story, I got stuck. I got stuck. And then 30 seconds later, I kept writing and I finished it. <laughs> that's the answer it's like all of this like we're all like wow we need to meditate and we need to this and that and she's maybe just like should... i just kept going we're like all right we could learn something here <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly maybe we need to start learning from our kids a whole lot more than <laughs> right we, yeah than we give them credit for seriously <laughs> <laughs> exactly. go to a forest and go to the third red oak tree and well that's like that's oh, the thing boy. right like when you first start writing everything has to be perfect in your mind like i better read these five books about writing a screenplay and then Oh man, there's traffic outside. I can't start today. And oh, this desk isn't right. And then, oh, yeah. okay, one more game. And you know, and then it's just like, you and start you're going, going feng shui and man, it's, and yeah, you go, it's never going to be the right time and right conditions. You know, it's just, nope. so then you just start going, all right, I just got to hack it out. It's just, it's yeah. not, it's not art as much as it always is just doing the work. Yeah. yeah. In other words, writer block, who got time for that, man? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Press through it and hammer away and then fix it, fix it in post. That's awesome. There you go. <laughs> post. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, Chris, uh, what comic book series or genre do you enjoy reading the most? Well, it's funny. When I got started, I mean, obviously, like everybody, I was a Marvel and DC guy. I was primarily a Marvel kid up until, like, the teen years, and then I discovered that uh, DC's comics were pretty decent at the time, too. Um, So I was a superhero guy at the start, but I have, you know, you read superhero comics for long enough, and you start start knowing where a story's going to go, and you start start going oh i've seen this before you start going man these people that are freaking out about you know this character is taking over this costume like just wait man wait a year it'll revert back (laughs) yeah exactly so i've i've started to get a lot less of a buzz from superhero comics you know as as i do things like i don't know i mean saga is always the trite one to name because everybody names it but everybody names it because it's that good right (laughs) yeah uh 
so you know there's a lot of a lot of other things now a lot of other genres and a lot of other just types of storytelling that I really like uh, much more than than sort of the norm that uh, that I used to read. That's All wonderful. Right. That's wonderful. Now, this is a particular question that's near and dear to me. But we love Infestation and we loved the Mars Attack crossovers. Now, where did you have the idea of intracompany crossovers with these two properties, and what challenges did you have when taking these on? I so want my answer to Infestation to be what uh, the Outhousers ran as a strip one time was. Uh, it was like nine-year-old me in the bathtub with like a transformer and a GI Joe figure and a Ghostbuster and like right, like okay, secret order. But really, it was it was so just essentially me last Thursday. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a thing anybody should ever outgrow. Uh, but like, you know, I'm a I'm a guy that grew up reading crossovers and and being all into that stuff. And so, when you have all these properties that aren't in the same universe, it certainly presents more of a challenge to do a crossover. So I started there like, okay, well, how can I make this thing work? How can we, I mean, infestation was, let's be honest, it was a crossover that wasn't really a crossover. Like the, we, right. we cast zombies into all these different worlds, but you know, that's right. Captain Kirk never met Optimus Prime or anything like that. So <laughs> yeah. it was as close as we could come with all of these different brands. It took probably a year to convince all the different licensors that this was a good idea and why, um, so it was, yeah, that was, that was really climbing a mountain that once it finally came out and everybody seemed to dig it to whatever degree, you know, then they go, okay, we get it. And so as always, the next one becomes easier. Right. And so Mars Attacks, it was just like, who do we, who else do we publish, you know, that would have a good sense of humor about us just screwing with their characters. And obviously <laughs> Judge Dredd in 2000 AD, you know, has the right sense of humor for that. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's probably the biggest example right there. Yeah, I mean, those are always fun, you know. It's like you kind of get to work in all the stuff that, as a fan, you hope to see. And as, a, you know, working with creators, it's it's like how do you give the fan moments but also make sure there's a story behind it too and not just, you know, just fan moments. Like craziness. Yeah. <laughs> craziness. Well, that's pretty much what it's all about. Now, we've already talked about um, – the goals for IDW in the future and things you hope to reach. But are there any more things coming from you particularly that we should look forward to in the near future? Well, on free comic book day, we launched a zero issue of, a, of ROM, the thing I was talking oh, about. Yes. Earlier. So, so good. After, so good. Uh, you don't even have to say that. It was only 11 pages. I, I just, I'll settle for just partially good. I like, <laughs> I really liked it. I, I, it grabbed me. Those were 11 so, solid I mean, that's, pages. That's what we were hoping is like, we don't have a lot of pages. So hopefully we can just do enough to not have, People that were excited go, all right, well, that didn't live up to expectations. I had my copy like right here. Oh, I took it in the room with my other stack. Oh, there you go. The bathroom, I understand. Oh, that's where it went, yeah. <laughs> with all my action figures. He got you, man. He got <laughs> you. Yeah, so ROM, ROM launches officially as a monthly thing in July, and we're really excited because we have 24 pages there to do some things. And it, it hopefully already will, will cue people into that. This is not going to go the, the way they think it's going to go. And, yeah, I mean, I love it. It's, it's one of those things that, like, you try to be careful of because you don't want to be too big a fan where you, I like to call it the Mark Steven Johnson effect. You know, like the, the first Daredevil movie was, oh. was made by a guy who loved Daredevil, but maybe it was too close to the material to some degree. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm cautious of that. Like, I don't want to do a thing that is just a fan. It's just, I want to do a thing that, you know, makes people of a new generation that never read ROM or haven't seen ROM at all you know, care about what this thing is now. So it's, it's been a blast so far. 
That kind of brings me back to something that I was wanting to ask that I that I, that we must have forgotten about. But how much does this particular ROM relate to the old ROM from the Marvel days that we had that we had grown up and loved way back way, way back in the day? If you had to make a comparison, um, I'd say it's better. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love that. Better. I'm completely kidding. Like I, I hold that book like in such high regard. Um, this is it's a completely new thing so it looks like rom i mean other than design updates like we got rid of the giant uh, disco boots and oh, the yeah fingerless yeah. hands which god yeah. the, giving rom fingers has caused so many people consternation it's it's that's right. kind of funny i um well like at the end or like a couple pages afterwards because there's another comic I th- or like yeah, action man like a little previous but you had like concept art of rom and they all, and i love the one that you yeah y'all had in the actual comic, but I like all the other ones too. But uh, no, I, I really liked the comic. At first, it kind of seemed like an X Men, or sorry, X Files, uh, like ish story That's, because they're just they're running through the forest. And then I was they, about to say X Men, dude, really? Not forest, <laughs> but like they had no, like totally, the CIA. Yeah. Do I? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that because that's the vibe we want. Is we want like the thing with the diorates. The diorates can replace any human, you know, and and so. I want this thing to be creepy and body snatchers like, and yeah. like this is this is sort of the dark, spooky corner. I hope and uh, where we can do that kind of stuff. Where it's it's you know the old comic played so well to me because it didn't feel like a schlocky '80s toy comic. It felt like this sort of paranoid conspiracy thriller UFO movie that you might have seen in the '70s or something. Exactly. It, it's kind of like if um, the day the Earth is still, if the alien and and uh, Gort got their like. Like three weeks late or too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For like, sure. So when you, when you don't know if your next door neighbor, it's like that uh, that Twilight Zone episode too. You know, you don't know who if your neighbor might be an Architects alien. Or you don't fear. know if you know they've infiltrated positions of power or things like that. So it's yeah. it's a lot of fun to sort of take that concept and run with it. And V. I almost forgot about V. Oh, for me, for me, you know, whenever I looked at this and I'm looking at that, I see. I see it as a mixture of Architects of Fear, that famous episode, as well as a mixture of Alien Nation from way back in the day, and a little bit of X-Files as well. That's where, where I'm loving it. Plus, you know, the fact that I love Rom being a space knight, it's like it's almost like he's like a Don Quixote in space kind of thing going on with that. Well, I, I think I love the 11 pages so much, because when somebody's trying to revive a character, especially for Free Comic Book Day, they try to make it as, like, fan service to see as possible and what you guys did was the whole like 11 pages wasn't really focused on him it was more about like hey this is a world um obviously there's a problem and we have these two characters that come in who have like, really no idea what's going on and then oh look these 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 douchebags are actually aliens and then rom comes in and saves the day uh so that's why i kind of liked it about it yeah. it wasn't fan service it wasn't playing it safe it was just like this is a, this is it, like right. So, well, that's great. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear when you guys check out if you check out the first issue just to see because we. I think we we make great strides there to show that we're definitely not playing it safe. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy with the way it started so far. That's Perfect. great. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Chris, for being with us today. And thank you guys for tuning in. You can check out our other shows and offerings on iTunes and visit our new website, thegrandgeekgathering.com. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review us. You can contact us on our site. To stay updated, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we stream on twitch.tv. 
To find Onyx, check out your local comic book shop and Comixology in July. We highly support local businesses. Music has oh. been provided. I did that wrong. Can you redo it? I was, I was thinking about ROM. I'm thinking so about sorry. 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 Well, July, July is fine, but now is also fine. Are you <laughs> now is also fine. Now, okay, we'll so do sorry. it again. Okay. Let's do it again. Okay, guys. All right. Take two. All right. Fix and post. Thank you so much, Chris, for being with us here today. Now, thank you guys for t- tuning in. You can check out our other shows and offerings on iTunes and visit our new website, thegrandgeekgathering.com. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review us. You can contact us on our site. To stay updated, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we stream on Twitch.tv. To find Onyx, check out your local comic book store and Comixology. We highly support local businesses. B- music has been provided, provided by bensound.com. This show has been brought to you by the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Join the gathering. Have a wonderful weekend. GGG! Skype GGG. God, I totally missed it. It's <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys.